Good morning. This is Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss. My guest today is Jason Schramm, a web developer and founder of Veg Groups, an entity where Schramm creates websites intended to help people go vegan, stay vegan, or become informed on vegan-oriented news or other topics. Perhaps the most singular of these websites is Veg Movies, which presents an enormous collection of films curated by virtue of the fix addressing animals and or animal rights, an array of vegan themes, and environmental or climate change motifs. Head to, heading to uh, VegMovies.com, the platform will remind visitors of logging into Netflix or Amazon Prime, except the content is deeply customized and the experience is enormously user-friendly. Categories include recently added, streaming for free, animals, environment, family-friendly, friendly, sorry, and vegan message. The 200 or so offer, offerings, probably more at this point, run the gamut from the remake of Dumbo to the pioneering 2014 documentary Cowspiracy. The user-friendly elements include the clicking on the thumbnail of a movie yields all kinds of details, including warnings of graphic or otherwise upsetting content, not just in the film, but also in many cases the trailer. Also, there is no fee to use Veg Movies. As we ease further into the holidays, when people often have time off from work and are looking for things to watch with friends and or family, I thought this might be the ideal time to spotlight Veg Movies, which has been called the Vegan Netflix. Indeed, we'll delve into various aspects of veg movies when I speak with Jason Schramm in just a moment here on Talking Animals on WMNF. Meanwhile, coming up later in today's show, I'll speak with Scott Trevitoski, the director of Hillsborough County's Pet Resources Center, who will fill us in on the shelter's Happy Holidays event happening this Saturday, December 16th. Spread across the day, it starts at 10 a.m. and ends at 5 p.m. The event appears to function partly as a holiday open house, but mostly as a huge adoption extravaganza where the adoption fees are waived. We'll learn more about Happy Holidays when Scott Chabotowski joins us you know, a bit later here on the show on Talk Animals. Right now, though, let's talk film, animal films, vegan films, environmental films, and others presented on Veg Movies with its founder, Jason Schramm. With a reminder that I invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663 emailing dj at wmnf.org or texting 813-433-0885. Let's welcome Jason Schramm to Talking Animals on WNF. Good morning, Jason. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on Talking Animals. Thanks for having me. For sure. So, of course, we'll delve into veg movies and other cool Jason Schramm creations uh, uh, momentarily. But for someone who's done what you've done and embarked on the journey you have, I'm particularly interested first in exploring kind of your own history, your, your origin story, if you will. So where did you grow up and what kind of a kid were you? Yeah, I, I grew up in the East Coast of New Jersey, um, like in the U.S., mostly New Jersey, mm-hmm. and really got into computers at an early age and learned all about that. And then as I've really, you know, grown over time and gotten into all kinds of other things, really wanted to start using my skills to do good. And so whether that was, you know, helping people find information that is needed, um, vegan information, and really, you know, kind of kept going through there. So I was always building websites, but I wanted it to be more meaningful and impactful. Yeah. So started coming up with these ideas that nobody had built. Um, and then that's really where I am today. I said, okay, someone, someone hasn't built this, um, but I think it needs to exist. I think it would help people go vegan. Um, really helped them out. 
All right, let's go back if we could and just explore a few more things uh, more deeply that, that you said there. For example, when you said you got into computers at an early age, like how, how young are we talking about? See, I think actually not even that early. Um, first computer was like seventh grade. Okay. Um, but then really got into it and enjoyed being able to create things, being able to see I have this idea and I can make this thing happen. And then, as I said, like over time, as I got into veganism, uh, went vegetarian about 10 years or so, seeing a documentary, Vegucated, and then started learning more, you know, in, even like meditation, things like that, like really exploring more. Yeah. And wanting to do something more with that skill. Sure. And just wanting to, you know, build something that, you know, information people don't necessarily need or it's out there, or it's not helping the planet um, and want to, to help people find the information to make the changes that are needed um, for animals, for the planet. For sure. So with that in mind, when you were younger and sort of getting into computers or before even, what sort of interest did you have in animals? Uh, were animals important to you in your family, for example? See, I, I didn't really grow up with animals that much. Mm. And, um, you know, had some pets here and there, didn't really have dogs or cats, um, really, you know, got into that later in life. So I really... You know, animals weren't really a big piece of my life at the time. Interesting. And going yeah. vegan, I mean, I've always I always got along well with animals. If I was over someone's house and there was a dog, like, they seemed to like me and, you know, and all that. But I didn't grow up with them. And so didn't have that experience of, you know, having that household pet uh, for a lot of the time. Yeah. But then going, and I went vegetarian, uh, you know, primarily for health in the beginning. Uh, I gained, you know, I was like 50 pounds heavier than I am now or, or have been at the lowest and wasn't, you know, living so well, wasn't feeling so well and started doing that. And then as I, you know, learned about it and when I went vegan, I went to an animal sanctuary and I held a chicken in my arms and she fell asleep and, you know, pet cows. And it, it was like something, you know, missing piece that I just hadn't been around. Um, and it made sense to me. That's really interesting. So just out of curiosity, were, were, were animals just kind of not allowed in your house when you were growing up? Yeah, I think it was, you know, family members, some that maybe didn't didn't really just have them in their life or mm -hmm. want them around. And, yeah. and me not really knowing much about them and having some pets, but really not. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. I, I might be surprised how many people I've talked to over the years on this show that whatever they're doing now that brings them to the show, they grew up where uh, animals weren't allowed, pets weren't allowed. For one reason or another, it might be allergies, it might be just people weren't interested or their parents mm -hmm. themselves didn't grow up with animals. But um, it, it, it's, it's a surprising percentage, actually. So um, it's interesting that you find yourself here. So, um, so when you started to... Uh, go uh, vegetarian and vegan, and you started to see, hey, um, you know, my computer skills could be put to use here. Were, to what extent were you surprised before you started creating things to sort of help people that were in that world and using your technical skills to do so? To what extent were you surprised that things didn't exist in some measure along the lines of things that you did go on to create? I don't think I was ever really surprised. I mean, I was, before I built something, I would always research to see if it was around. Yeah. And I could see, oh, you know, maybe 10 years or so ago, someone built something and it 
maybe it was too early, right? With the internet as it was, you know, growing and people might have had good ideas in the beginning. So I've seen like people, like certain things have been built, didn't really take off. Um, but I think the biggest barrier to entry I knew was like, you know, cost of hiring a developer. And it was like, okay, well, I hire myself. So, you know, if I'm spending, you know, hours at night or on the weekends and spending all this extra time building these things, it's all it's only my time, right? I'm not having to, there's a, a, a lot smaller barrier to entry than someone else who might have an idea and have to hire someone to do it. They have to, you know, raise the money to pay that person. I was just being able to say, I have this idea. Yeah. It started out when I went, um, when I went vegetarian and I knew I needed, and then vegan, and I knew I needed to meet other vegans out there and find some support. And there were, you know, meetup groups. And so I started finding different events, finding potlucks and festivals nearby. And then as I was, you know, finding that and meeting people and getting that support, I also realized it was harder for people to find that because people might not be putting in all the effort to find the groups that I was doing. Yeah. And so that's where the uh, initial idea behind veg events came up where creating a place that would pull in events from Facebook, Meetup, Eventbrite. Uh, over time, that got a little harder to bring in all those events. So right now, it's more focused on like festivals and conferences, some of the bigger events. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because there are like lots of groups out there and, and things, and there's technical constraints and stuff like that. Um, oh, technical but, constraints yeah. to including them in your own listings, you mean? Yeah, yeah. You have to yeah. build the you know infrastructure to pull them in. And sometimes like Facebook used to be able to pull in events from Facebook, and then they had some big scandals, and they used it to shut down access to those you know events as easily. So you couldn't really pull in all that stuff. And so then there's less information you can get. Yeah. Um, because it's a little harder. And do you find uh, do you find creating and updating websites to be uh, kind of solitary work? It can be. And so it, it a lot of the sites kind of can run themselves once you've, you know, been building them or, or once they're running. Okay, they're um, set up. And then to, it's, yeah, to, to Yeah, to like, keep- you know, veg movies, if I don't add a new movie you know, today it's still, it's still up and running. Right. Right. Um, but it can be, you know, I think it can be isolating, um, yeah. where, you know, connecting with other people, connecting with friends, um, you know, doing different work, you know, been, uh, getting some support from my girlfriend more recently and having people to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. No, it does, it does seem like a lot of people that do the kind of work that you do, um, you know, they often love it, of course, but they, they do find it kind of solitary or isolating at times just because sometimes you just got to spend, you know, that many hours at the computer and, and it's just kind of the nature of the work. Um, so, uh, yeah, but it sounds like you've uh, found some ways to, to, mm-hmm. to widen out from there. Let's, uh, we have actually already have a caller here. Let's see what they uh, have to contribute to the conversation. Hi, you're on Talking Animal with Jason Schramm. As always, for having by far the best animal advocacy talk show that has been found in this multiverse. So thank you very much. <laughs> I assume you're still getting the checks then. I'm uh, actually what uh, the bribe you sent me, which is uh, yearly photos of you in a bathing suit. That's <laughs> just all I need. Okay, glad that's all it took. Excellent. Oh, baby. All right. So here's something. It's not. A, I know this isn't the health show. 
But I went hardcore vegan 10 years ago while I was in my near animal rights terrorist phase, literally planning to do direct action sabotage of animal abusers, animal labs. I never did it because the government views animal advocates, forest advocates, water keepers, etc., as as worse terrorists than right-wing nuts, but that's a whole other topic. Here's the sad thing I discovered recently. All of the foods I was relying on as a vegan, nuts, fermented foods, uh, wheat and soy, plant-based fake meat, as well as um, breads with wheat, gluten, all of them are extremely high in histamines. Histamines, extremely bad for you, especially if you have genetic propensity towards histamine intolerance. And I am no longer able, I tried, I'm no longer able to have enough calories, protein especially, on a 100% vegan diet. Yes, I'm extremely depressed and feeling guilty about it, but I literally had to make the choice between my own health and the health of all the innocent animals who are murdered to feed non-vegans. I, you know, so I'm mitigating my, the fact that I had to do this by providing wildlife habitat in my yard, um, rescuing native Florida species, both plants and animals. But um, I'm not trying to discourage anyone from being vegan, but take a look at the histamine issue and um, you'll see, it's very sad for me, I was eating like 10 pounds of cashews and peanuts per week and always wondering my, why my throat was swelling up. I always used to laugh at people who said they had gluten or peanut allergies, etc. And now I realize that I just, I couldn't do it. Fermented foods too, it really made me sad. But thank you for being advocates and most of the population can you know, have a healthy diet with 100% vegan, but histamine intolerance and the high histamine content of most vegan foods is something to something to look at. Let me ask you one other question, at least, if I can, before you yeah. go, um, just to see if we can hook this back to the, the show at hand. Did you learn about or get some information about the histamine issue from one or more uh, films or documentaries along the lines of the kind of movies we're talking about today on the show? I wish I could say that, but actually, after I started connecting the dots about why I was having terrible insomnia, and that if I used an antihistamine like cannabis, cannabis is a potent antihistamine, which is why some people, when they quit cannabis, they have terrible insomnia. I started looking for scientific peer-reviewed clinical studies and found lists of histaminergic foods, non-histaminergic foods, and mitigating things to use if you have histamine intolerance and histamine overload. But um, I do appreciate uh, documentaries um, and of course YouTube uh, documentaries sometimes are extremely interesting. WMNF of course, and your show in particular, provides extremely valuable information. So what your guest is doing electronically, more and more of us are alienated from each other with physical contact, so electronic education is probably the best that can be done. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your, thanks. For your call. Interesting uh, uh, detail that at least I don't believe has come up before on the show about the histamine issue. Thanks so to thank both you. of you and have a fantastic 2024. All right. You too. Thank you.
So, Jason, um, any before we move back into some other um, you know topics I'd like to address to you, anything you'd like to to say about the caller's observation there? But the I, mean, I think I'd really have to defer to doctors and yeah. people that are out there and physicians and people, you know, knowing the area that, you know, kind of area and don't really have too much information myself. I, yeah. No, I just thought given people, as steeped as you are and all these things and, of course, all the various films and whatever that that perhaps this might have surfaced in one or more of the things you had done. Like, like I say, mm-hmm. I don't don't believe it surfaced on this show before, so I, I'm not familiar at all, but I thought you might might have been just given the scope of things that you're involved with. But um, Yeah, I think there's you know, a lot of you know health-oriented documentaries. Some may touch on something like this, or if we're talking about inflammation and things like that. Yeah. Lots of different foods can and can probably cause. And Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's also, so I also created VegResources.com, which is kind of connects people to different, you know, information. Could be health-oriented, could be all kinds of stuff. Um, and so really, you know, I mean, for me, I, like Dr. Greger's nutritionfacts.org, whenever I'm looking for, for, you know, some kind of topics, a lot of times I'll go there and yeah. check that out. Well, maybe Whatever. now can, can people submit things for vegresources.com? Yeah. People could submit like guides or, or links for vegresources.com. Yeah. It's like they can also submit, uh, movies to, for veg movies. Yeah. There. No, that makes sense. Cause the reason I guess I'm asking in particular is that. Perhaps our caller might consider uh, submitting a link or some kind of informational thing about the histamine issue for VegResources.com just because, again, that's, um, you know, I think luckily it's a fairly, sounds like a fairly uh, isolated area that, that unfortunately ensnared him but maybe wouldn't ensnare a lot of other people. But there might be people like him, on the other hand, that could be helped by um, find, being able to find information on the histamine issue that weren't aware of it before, so... Um, anyway, let me ask you this. What kind of work were you doing immediately before going vegan? What kind of work? Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I've been building websites for a while. I was working um, in the D.C. area. Uh, but was there a certain company or just uh, doing your own sort of freelance thing by assignment or what kind of... I'm just curious. I'm just curious as the prelude to going vegan, like how you were spending your time, at least professionally. Yeah, um, I was, uh, you know, working for a company and then um, pretty much was recommended on, I was on Amazon Prime, it recommended watching Vegicate, which is a documentary where about four or five people go vegan and you follow them along Yeah. Um, through their journey and then some stay with it, some don't. They're learning as they go along. They're checking out their health. And so I watched that and then just like decided I just stopped eating meat right away. And then kind of transitioned over time. And so really, I think it came came to me in a crazy time in my life. And, and it gave me something uh, that, that seemed health, healthy and, and useful to do. Um, but I was, you know, working a you know, nine-to-five job. And, and I still do some of that. Um, I did um, take some time when I built Veg Movies a few years ago where I was just working on, you know, that was my job. I was just doing that. Veg movies. I built veg resources. I built uh, veg meal delivery to help people find services that would deliver vegan meals to them. And then also kept working on veg events. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it wasn't, you know, it was just doing software development kind of stuff. Yeah. 
And uh, so would you say that seeing Vegucated was the thing that prompted you to, to go vegan? So Vegucated is when I went vegetarian. And then a few years later, there was a vegan uh, pledge program called the Vegan Living Program out of Baltimore. And I just happened to be at a vegan restaurant with a friend, and they were signing people up for this, this program. And we signed up, and you went six weeks, you went vegan. Um, and so they have a lot of great people running that. Uh, uh, Brenda Sanders uh, and, and the, is, was running uh, that event. That, org, that and She does a lot of work mm-hmm. um, in the vegan realm in Baltimore and all that in all those areas. Um, and it was this great restaurant in Baltimore, the Land of Kush, and vegan restaurant, and signed up for this program. And then you learned about health. You learned about, you know, what happens to animals. In the end, you went to Poplar Spring Animal Sanctuary in Poolsville, Maryland. And you, you know, saw these animals. You, I got to hold a chicken that fell asleep, like I mentioned. Yeah. And then they say, okay, so you're going to stick with it? And I was like, yeah. And at the time, I was mostly vegan anyway. I was eating, you know, a lot of salads and stuff. I wasn't eating dairy. I've never really been big on that. And it was just making that commitment of like looking at ingredients and making sure because this is what I want to do. Yeah. And just, you know, making that, that, uh, that commitment. So did you find, um, once you, um, decided to go and had kind of that, that program, the timing of that sounds like it was critical, um, the vegan living program, um, did you find that it that it went pretty smoothly, or did you did you feel like uh, kind of an echo, an echo of a question I asked earlier? Did you find it was a little bit of a solitary process? So and you know it hasn't even like with the work I'm doing, where you you did ask about the solitary process issue. Yeah, I still like I, there's different events, there's organizations, there's this group, yeah. J Veg, in uh, in New Jersey that runs all kinds of events and potlucks and. Um, hiking events, and we do uh, tabling for uh, at, at non-vegan festivals yeah. for, for vegan outreach kind of stuff. Yeah, and so really finding people and, and finding those communities and finding events. And so even back then, you know, you, you, all the people going through the program got to meet some of them. There was uh, Baltimore Vegan Drinks was a great group doing events there uh, in the Baltimore area every month where they would get a non-vegan restaurant to have more vegan options on a specific day and then yeah. come and get to have these things. And so they were, you know, doing outreach into these different organizations, these restaurants, and then also getting people connected. And so really, you know, uh, made friends there, Yeah, uh, different potlucks that I started going to and, and making friends there. Um, oh, that's great. That was really, you know, kind of key to, to keep that that going. Yeah. Well, I, I think I raised the question about it maybe being a solitary process because uh, over the years I, I, I've talked with and heard from so many folks who, uh, when they first did go vegan, did feel kind of alone. And also, I think part of your efforts um, to create these various websites is designed to help uh, and, and, and encourage folks who are going vegan and assist them in staying vegan. So it's kind of, a, you know, obviously like a sense of offering support. So it just like it seems like these things you know could be connected in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely. I, it's, you know, support is key, and you know, thankfully, I haven't had people really in my life, at least definitely in the last several years, 
trying to discourage me along my path because that can be harder. And when people are, you know, have a partner that's not on board with what they're doing or doesn't see the benefit of what they're trying to change and people can, you know, and family and friends can also be discouraging at times. And so I think it's definitely important to find encouraging people. And I thankfully haven't really had a lot of discouraging people. Oh, that's great. But I did, you know, early on when I went vegan, I had some friends that weren't really supportive of it. And maybe there was an event and they were like, oh, you're welcome to come, but we're going to have all non-vegan food and we're not going to get anything for you. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Okay, well, thanks, man. You're, you're a good friend. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, kind of. And that's where, you know, kind of having to, you know, sever some ties and, and make new friends <clears> with people that, that, you know, either shared common values or at least, you know, were respectful of my values. Yeah. But it also seems like, What's interesting is that I think a lot of your experiences that you're recounting are, are not uncommon, but, and, and again, you obviously have had a longstanding technical background with computers, et cetera, but the fact that your, your own experience that you described in going vegan and being thwarted at times or, or not supported, certainly in that one example you just gave, um, but that has prompted you to create these websites, I mean, that's, to me, that seems really significant, especially when as we get in a few more details about how those websites work. Um, so I think it's just interesting that something compelled you. Of course, you had the expertise, but a lot of people have had the expertise but didn't put it in, in the direction that you have. So I'm just curious if, in looking back over these years since you started launching these websites, if there's something that you could point to that uh, helps explain like why you have felt compelled to do these. I think I've always come up with ideas even like you know before i was vegan but it would be ideas for like things that were already created websites that already existed or software that already existed mm-hmm. so i think it, it finally like I, my interest and in, in experiences changed to where i was having some ideas of something that i thought would be you know helpful for people or cool to make that hadn't been made already yeah it didn't exist and so it was and especially with you know vegan events or movies, like there's not necessarily money involved in those areas. Yeah. It's helping people find information. Veg meal delivery I created because if you search for like vegan meal delivery, there'll be articles out there saying, you know, top 10 vegan meal delivery services. They're all services that someone is paying to get listed. Yeah. A lot of times they're not even, some of them aren't even vegan anymore or aren't at all. And some of them aren't even running anymore. Yeah. I wanted to just say, okay, I want all the information in one place, whether there's a you know referral program or not, an affiliate program, you know, veg movies, there's links to Amazon, but no real, you know, revenue comes from those links because people want to find the, the free links and stuff. Yeah. And that's great because I like that too. So, you know, having the stuff, you know, available so that people can, you know, find the information wherever it is, whether there's money involved or not, because the point being to help someone find some information to either stay or, or go vegan uh, and meet people or find support that they need. And to say you're only going, you know, going to see information that someone paid for, you know, does a disservice and, is, yeah. you know, kind of isn't so nice. Yeah. No, it's, re- it's really, it's really interesting and it's, and it's really cool because it's, uh, it's like a public service really to help separate out, you know, things that are, you know, sort of more commercial enterprises of, of like you say, the top 10, 
you know, vegan meal services or whatever it might be that's, you know, totally kind of skewed by the monetary mm -hmm. transaction as opposed to something where you're just distilling the information, making it, you know, presenting it objectively and, uh, and there's no, there's no money that changes hands at any point. Mm -hmm. So, um. That's great. Let me just let folks know who might just be tuning in. This is Talking Animals on WNF. I'm Duncan Chassis. We did just tune in. My guest is Jason Schramm, a web developer and founder of Veg Groups, where it creates websites intended to help people go vegan, stay vegan, or become informed on vegan-oriented news and other topics. This includes VegMovies.com, which has been labeled the Vegan Netflix. If you have a question for Jason about Veg Movies or his other uh, websites, or would like to offer a comment, please call 813-239-9663. Email DJ at WMNF.org or text 813-433-0885. All right, so let's focus a little bit more on VegMovies.com. So um, how did you come up with the idea? Are you a film buff or... I mean, obviously, you've done a few different sites that are, you know, aimed to help people that are, again, going vegan, trying to stay vegan, just give them information. But why why veg movies? Yeah, I think it's an idea I had for a few years before I built it a few years ago. Um, and I think, I've you know, I've watched documentaries, some, you know, kind of, you know, Veducated changed my life, and some others also have been great. And other, you know, movies, even just, you know, a film like, an animated film like Chicken Run, has a, has a message of, you know, chickens trying to escape being turned into a pot pie or something like that. Yeah. So, like, there's, there's these movies out there that have, like, a vegan message or, or around it that people might not know about. And there weren't, like, I didn't see a great, you know, place to find all that information in one place that would be easy to kind of search through, disseminate, um, read, watch trailers on, see if there's any graphic information also. Because that's what I would, you know, hear people, some people, they don't want to see a, a trailer or even or a film that might have some graphic, you know, showing animal cruelty or, or what's going on out there. And then the, so some movies will have that, some don't. Some movies that might have animal actors like Babe, well, you know, did they, were the animals treated well, right? Other films, if people wanted to screen a film, it could be hard to find screening information, like where you'd go to request to screen a film for a group of people. And so I saw there were some resources out there that didn't seem like they were easy to really search through and read through. In some cases, there are some sites that have some you know, vegan movies listed, and there's a lot of information, and maybe the trailer's in there, but it can be really hard to even find where to watch it. You go through, maybe the links aren't there, so now you have to hunt around. So I started having this idea of creating a place where all, all films could be listed. Also, if something is coming soon or let's say there's a Kickstarter or they need funding or support, that it could help highlight those films too. Uh, recently, Christspiracy from the creators of What the Health and Cowspiracy just had a Kickstarter campaign. And so I listed Christspiracy on there as need support and had a link to that so that you know while that campaign was running, it had some information put a you know, description of it, the trailer, people could watch that, they can go and support that film, which then helps a, a new film get created. Uh, Smell of Money is a, a new film that's uh, been on the, uh, the, the circuit for, uh, for, for showings, but now it's actually available uh, for streaming, and that just started. Um, and that goes into the, the impact of like the animal farms and, and all that, and the waste there, and how it impacts the, impacts the communities around them. 
and a woman's fight against some of these uh, these farms. And so now, you know, people can find out information there and it helps, you know, that film get some, get some support. Yeah. I hadn't really seen, you know, something like you said, like Netflix or you know, searchable, easy to add films, update links, all that kind of stuff in one place. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, <clears throat> Some of what you're doing, like we talk about on the other sites, is sort of a public service. And some of this, you know, a lot of this really collectively uh, seems to me like a form of activism, really. Because, um, you know, especially like if, if a film needs some funding to finish or uh, uh, some, some element of it could be helped by what, what you might do on the Veg Movie site... Um, and next thing you know, then you've got a completed film that may have taken longer or may not have been completed at all, possibly. Um, that's that's a significant difference that you're making. Thanks. So, um, so how long from, from when you came up with the idea uh, to when you were able to launch VegMovies.com? Well, it probably took me about maybe a few months. Uh, but I was, like, working on... Um, like three sites at the same time. So it probably took maybe two to three months. Um, went up launching that. And then recently I actually just finished updating it, uh, kind of rewriting some of the code in, behind the scenes to make it work a little bit better and, and make it a little easier to add multiple countries or new countries in the future. Um, so there might be a watch link for you know a film where if you're from Germany, you can buy it here. But if you're from the U.S., you can buy it here. Um, and so really making it even better to where all that um, information can kind of be put in so that when someone goes there to the site and they're looking at a film, they can only, they're seeing links that will actually work for them and will, you know, point them to where they can watch the film. So you're uh, always looking for different ways to refine it for kind of the broadest possible uh, mm -hmm. user-friendly experience, it sounds like. Yeah. And, uh, what elements, as you were putting it together and, and figuring out, like, okay, how, how is this going to really look and how is it going to work, what elements became uh, most crucial to you uh, when you said, okay, this, this, this is what VegMovies.com will, will look like and here's how it will work? What were, what were your kind of key priorities in, in getting ready to launch it? Yeah, I think search, um, being able to filter to see which ones were available for free, I thought would be big. Um, and when searching, being able to open up each movie while you're still on the same page, so yeah. you don't have to go back and forth. And then also uh, sharing options, because really what I want people to be able to do is share this with their friends or, oh, you know, they like some documentary. They can, you know, get a, a shareable link that they can then send to people that will send them right to uh, the listing for that film. So really, you know, making it so that no matter where you are, if you're looking at a film, you can click on a little button, get a link that you can then send to people. And let me ask you this, because uh, maybe I, I haven't uh, delved as, as far into it as I should have, but, but I was under the impression, other than things that are clearly connected to what's on Netflix, um, that anything else that you would want to watch, uh, you, there would not be any kind of fee. Do I, did I get that wrong? Yeah, so it's, there are some services out there that have films, you know, where that you can stream right from them and it's available for free. This is more of a directory of the films that are out there and where you can watch them. 
Right. So in some cases, it's going to be available for free. In some cases, some films are only available to buy, whether or you can get a DVD or, or you know stream it on maybe Amazon or Vimeo okay. or something like that. So it really it connects you with those those places. Right. So but that but that yeah. but that option to buy or that fee for to, to stream it for that for that instance or whatever would be something they would find perhaps elsewhere, just maybe not as easily. It's not like there's a right. new a new fee that was, wasn't involved before. It's just like if, if you wound up at this film and were interested in buying it or streaming it, this is what you would pay however you found it if you didn't go through VegMovies.com. Yeah, and so really it's also, I mean, there's lots of films available for free. So if you go to VegMovies, you could go you know search for free, and it'll show you all the films that are available for free. It could be on YouTube. It could be on Unchained TV. It could be on Tubi. You know, so that's the, the beauty of this is that it's not a platform that you have to install and use. Now, it makes it a little harder if you want to maybe watch something on your TV. You'd have to search for something again on YouTube or something. But it at least tells you where these films are available, where you can watch them. Yeah. That's interesting. I had something to say about that. But I just want to let you know that one of our uh, uh, listeners emailed in and uh, actually... Uh, my occasional guest host here, Bev, actually, um, as I look at this, uh, noting that Dr. Harvey, who hosts the uh, Nutrition and Health Program here on WNF, apparently was discussing dietary histamines this week. So I didn't, obviously, I missed that show. I'd be curious to know, maybe I'll go back and listen through the archives, uh, if, how much of a vegan emphasis there was to that or just a, just a general topic about dietary histamines. But anyway, good to know, so thank you for that uh, update um so jason um so one of the things i've been struck by not just beyond the the, the sort of specifics we just talked about on vegmovies.com but your other websites is that it doesn't seem to cost anything wherever you go for access to the site or for any any uh resource or service or whatever that that site might provide um so Again, this goes back to, I guess, kind of a part of my public service uh, theme. But um, I'm also wondering, like, how how sometimes if you're working for months at a time on something or working on multiple sites that don't generate income for you, like, how does that work for you uh, financially? Well, I think so. I mean, with on veg groups and a lot of these sites, I do have some donation links. And yeah. Sometimes so I people can donate if they choose to, but, but they don't, right. but, but there's not any fee by going there or using that service. People can opt to do so, which, which hopefully right. they are regularly, but, um, but it's not costing somebody to get to that site or use that service or look at that listing or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And, and, and to your point, that is why, you know, two and a half years ago or, or a little over two years ago, I, picked up a full-time job again. And so I think ideally I would love for, you know, more and more of my time being spent on, uh, you know, meaningful work and, and these, you know, trying to help people and trying to help the planet. Um, but that, you know, that can be, that can be a concern. You know, money is obviously an issue and sure. paying rent and things like that. And yeah. um, so I did do it for, you know, several months where I was just working, focused on this and working on this um, and these sites. And then, you know, I have that, that, you know, daytime job or other, you know, projects and things like that. And 
also open to doing, you know, software development for other vegan areas and, and initiatives and things like that and always looking for opportunities. Sure. And what can you just say what the full-time job is or what, what, what the work specifically that you do within that job? Yeah, it's, it's more, you know, so these sites that I work, that I created yeah. run on WordPress and it's working on WordPress sites for a company. Okay. Um, so doing, you know, very similar kind of stuff. So, um, you know, fixing things. This morning, um, I had to spend a little time on veg movies because it, it kind of crashed a little bit under some, some potentially, you know, who knows what kind of traffic. And so that kept me on my toes, uh, wanting it to be running while we had this interview. Yeah. All right. Well, thank God they got that fixed. But uh, <laughs> but so it's so basically you've taken this job to kind of, in a sense, kind of help underwrite your ongoing devotion to the sites that you don't charge for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it does. It helps that, and um, yeah. And so I'm able to work. You know, spend my time creating these things, and and yeah. That's great. So we're sort of nearing the end of our time, Jason. But um, and again, we're speaking with Jason Schram, a web developer and founder of VegMovies.com, which has been labeled the uh, vegan Netflix. I don't know if you like that name or not. Like that that label. Um. I. You know. As long as I don't get uh, anyone having an issue with that, but I don't, on the site itself, I don't. We don't label that. Um, yeah, no, I just have read like some the things largest, that you know, directory of vegan films and yeah, so, yeah. And uh, so, uh, what what would you say are two or three of your favorite films that are, um, you know, found on VegMovies.com? I mean, whether they're older or newer or anything in between. And, well, I mean, Vegucated. Did, you know, is what I where I went vegan through, so I, yeah. that has a, a place for me. Uh, whether you know it's an older film, there's you know what, you know how well it keeps up. That's for everyone to decide. I think Forks Over Knives was a great eye opener for health, the health aspects. Uh, what the Health and Cowspiracy yeah. uh, were also uh, good films. Cowspiracy going in a lot of the health uh, of the environment and, and animal pieces. And then there's some, you know, films out there like Peaceable Kingdom that are a little more about seeing animals, you know, in sanctuary and going into the different issues that they deal with. Yeah. Um, kind of a classic for sure, Peaceable Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, Vegucated, by the way, I guess I should mention too, just, just sort of by coincidence, but maybe not that much by coincidence, several years ago, uh, the, the 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 show and and the radio station did like a screening and a panel discussion and preceding that screening I uh, interviewed uh, Marissa the uh, mm -hmm. filmmaker and uh, so that's always been kind of a pivotal uh, film to to us here mm -hmm. at the show and, and and again a great great film and mm -hmm. I think it holds up well too it's it's been out I guess what probably nine ten years ago I'm guessing but yeah. uh, so uh, cool. So any changes you're considering, I mean, f you know, features or any other elements uh, for VegMovies.com in the uh, near future, things you might want to tweak or add or change? Uh, I think, you know, definitely like adding more movies over time and um, have thought about adding like IMDb type ratings, but sometimes that can be skewed also. Yeah. Um, if, you know, people kind of game the system if they don't like a film, uh, if they haven't even watched it, so... Uh, always open to to features, but definitely um, the goal of being more accessible to other countries, different countries, and um, having more links and keeping it up to date and keeping yeah. the 
making sure that the trailer links work. I have a way of doing that and making sure updating links and all that kind of stuff. And then just integrating with more, you know, sources. Uh, recently, really added more integration with Unchained TV, uh, mm-hmm. which is a great uh, film network and, and videos, and you can have it on your TV. And um, they have a lot of, you know, great documentaries on there and then shows that are on there and, and videos and coverage. It's kind of like a vegan news network yeah, uh, run by Jane Velez Mitchell. And so trying to, you know, support those other kinds of projects and making sure people, you know, can go there and find films that are there and find other resources there. Yeah. No, it's really great. And it sounds like you just keep looking to widen and improve uh, what you're already offering. So this is great. So we've been speaking with Jason Schramm. Uh, again, the uh, primary site we've talked about is Veg Movies, and that's at vegmovies.com. And um, Jason, thank you so much for uh, joining us today on Talking Animals. And thanks for all your great work helping people who are going vegan, trying to stay vegan, or just be interested in vegan-related uh, news and movies and all kinds of things. And um, really appreciate all your work and all your, again, sort of uh, public service in those, in those directions. So thank you very much. Thank you. In a moment, I'll talk with Scott Trebitaski, the director of Hills of Oro County's Pet Resources Center, who will give us the lowdown on Happy Holidays, the shelter's holiday open house and all-day adoption event in which the adoption fees are waived. That's this Saturday. Like a great opportunity for folks thinking about adopting an animal this holiday season or uh, stepping into fostering in the meantime. We have guidance from Scott and hear that conversation in just a moment here on Talking Animals. Right now, we're going to step into the Comedy Corner with Jeremy Hotz, delivering a piece called Bronx Zoo in today's Comedy Corner on Talking Animals on WMNF. Because there in the winter, though, it gets cold. That's the thing about New York, am I right? Absolutely. Freezing. In February, I had tickets to the zoo. They were freezing like an asshole. They went, oh, look at that tiger. Look how realistic he looks. Just like in the wild, frozen to the fence like that. guy there that day. I saw the elephant fart that day. That was the highlight of my trip. Biggest ass in the world farting. You don't see that on the Discovery Channel. Doesn't even sound like whatever it sounds like. It's the other animals were running behind it to try and keep warm. And the tiger was going, point your ass this way. I'm stuck to the fence. Melt me off the fence with your huge hot ass. That's exactly what he said. I was there. I speak a little tiger. That's what he said. It was the funniest thing I ever saw. And then it hit me, and it wasn't funny at all. It was an elephant fart right in my face. And I'm wearing the gas permeable lenses. So the image is burnt in my mind for all time. That was Jeremy Hotz, today's comedy corner of the piece called Bronx Zoo, taken from his album Lost Bird. Now it's time to speak with Scott Trevitaski. He's the director of Hillsborough County Pet Resources Center, which is gearing up for an event this Saturday, December 16th. Happy Holidays. Let's hear now from Scott Trevitaski on Talking Animals on WNF. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. 
Thanks for joining us again on Talking Animals. Oh, my pleasure. So how are things these days at, at the Pet Research Center? I mean, is it full? Is it less than full? What's it looking like? Uh, we're really full right now. Yeah. Normally at this time of the year, we would be at about 80% of capacity, and we're close to double that. We're at 150% capacity. So, oh, yeah. Holy smoke. What accounts for that? Um, I think that we didn't really see a dip last year, and we're not seeing a dip this year. I think that might be just people moving into town, the fact that um, people know that we're adopting out about 90 to 95 percent of the animals, so, you know, people are more willing to surrender animals to the shelter. Um, there's not that many more coming in and from the field, so it's not like there's a bunch of strays out there. These are typically ones that are being brought in by um, their owners. Wow. So... Apart from this kind of weird surge, do, do, in, in a normal year, would it be kind of seasonal in terms of uh, adoptions or capacity? Uh, yeah, it's definitely seasonal. Starting in, from October until about March, we usually dip down sometimes as low as 60% of capacity, which gives us a chance to do maintenance and some of those other things into the cages that's difficult when the animals are there but now we're more than full so we're wow. kind of hoping that uh, this adoption event will both encourage people to come into the shelter because if people haven't been to the shelter in the past several years it's a totally different place it's much more friendly and with twice as many to select from as previous years, and, and a majority of those being previously owned animals. It, it's a good opportunity to, to come out on Saturday, shop around, enjoy some of the special activities, and thanks to Petco Love, the adoption fees are waived. That's great. So um, how many animals, are, like, is, is every, every animal in the shelter available? How many cats and dogs would... would in theory, at least be available this Saturday for uh, adoption? So we have almost 300 dogs and just under 150 cats. Wow. That's a lot for sure. And uh, and typically in this kind of situation where the fees are waived um, and it's, you know, this time of year maybe, is there quite a few adoptions that actually get... Uh, um, completed that day? Yeah, we had a really good success last year, not only with holiday adoptions. And I think that's one of the myths that some people still believe that adopting at the holidays, people return them. It's actually about half as many people return holiday adoptions as they do throughout the rest of the year because people who make that decision during the holidays really think about it. It's not an impulse. Yeah, it's not an impulse thing. So, you know, we're we're hoping to kind of repeat our success of of last year and get a bunch of these out, and then whatever is left in the shelter starting next week, people can volunteer to uh, give them anywhere from a four to ten day break by taking them home and fostering them to, to give us a chance to kind of 
catch your breath cages and yeah and things like that for sure uh, i got a couple more questions but well before i do that i want to just get into the specifics of saturday's event so the happy holidays event again is this saturday december 16th uh pretty much all day it runs from 10 a.m to 5 p.m and um, hillsborough county's pet resource center is at 440 north north of falkenberg road tampa 33619 if you're uh, gpsing so um plenty of time that day to um come by and make yourself acquainted with a cat or dog that you might want to take home. So since the fees are waived, is there any criteria for someone interested in, in adopting other than their, their interest in that animal? Well, um, we typically do a uh, in-person interview to try to help make sure that we're matching the right animal with the right person. But, sure. you know, we adopt animals from as far away as Jacksonville, sometimes people come. We get regularly get people from Orlando. So wow. you don't have to be local. Uh, you just have to love animals. That's great. Well, cool. Well, this sounds uh, promising, and it would be great if uh, a lot of those animals found homes. It would be great for the animals. It would be great for you guys. It sounds like you're really uh, tapped out a little bit in terms of space and just resources and energy, and it would be great if you got a little bit of a break. But that's another quick point we should reiterate, too, that that if you're not necessarily quite ready at the moment to uh, adopt an animal, uh, but if you won't, could foster for X amount of days the animals that are at the shelter, that would be great for the animal. It would probably be great for you, the foster person, but it would be great for the shelter to just get um, some space and a breather. So, Yeah, one of the things people don't realize about foster is foster also gives us information of how these animals react in a home situation yeah because an animal who might not do well in a cage in the shelter might do great at home and it would be nice to have that information for the next adopter of the animal for sure yeah all right well scott we're going to wish you well for uh for this saturday and thanks again for joining us on talking animals and uh let's hope for lots and lots of adoptions thank you thank you all right, we have just about reached the end of today's edition of Talking Animals. Slice of Life is coming up. The wonderful new show hosted by Randy Zimmerman and others. Then a shift back to music program by Jim Bannon holding forth one to three, followed by Nancy C. Now hosting the Traffic Jam from 3 to 6 p.m., at which point our traffic, our terrific uh, Latin music kicks in. So we'll be back next Wednesday with the uh, annual uh, Talking Animals 